So this talk is awesome. I, I'm excited about this talk, this series, uh, because I think we've all at some point in time been embarrassed by the church. We, or we've been embarrassed by news of something someone did in the name of the church that we totally disagreed with. That we were like doing that big like, oh, how am I going to explain this to the person who already thought I was weird because I go to church, right? And, and so we've been in that scenario where we're trying to process how am I going to help somebody understand that's not like Jesus' vision of the church. And uh, so we're automatically in that scenario. Interesting when we look at it, the one thing Jesus came to build was the church. Like he came to build the church. And how can we as the how can we be the church Jesus came to build ultimately, right? What can we do to help turn things so that when one thing goes bad, it's not primetime news. It's like, yeah, we get it. There's some people that do that out there, but I know this church. How can we be the church that turns people's opinions and we're going to kind of look at that Ephesians 4 really unpacks a lot of this so we're going to start in verse 11 in the book of Ephesians it says now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church so that's us right the apostles the prophets the evangelists the pastors and teachers their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church the body of Christ this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind, new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we'll speak the truth in love Growing in every way, in every way, more and more like Christ, who's the head of the body, the church. Verse 16, and this is our emphasis verse really for this entire series of four talks. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Man, is it cool to just camp on a verse for a few weeks and kind of unpack this and go, wow, right? What would it look like if the church was healthy, and growing, and, and full of love? But before we jump into that in the coming weeks, really we need to go, well, let's again ask ourselves, okay, so what is the church? What's this thing Jesus envisioned? What's this thing God sent his son to build the church? And how do we get to this place of celebration as this healthy group of people celebrating the church? Reality is God loves the church. That's our big idea. God loves his church. And, I mean, you've heard well-intentioned Jesus-loving people say things that every once in a while are a little crazy, but say something even to the tune of like, well, I want to know Jesus, or I love Jesus, but man, I can't stand the church. 
I mean, you've probably heard, if you've been in church very long or around Christians very long, you may have heard that said out loud from somebody's mouth. Or, you know, I love Jesus, but I just, I can't come to church because I'm not a church person. I'm just, I don't, can't, uh, church, right? Well, in our looking at this, can we really do that? When God sent his son on a mission to build something, it was called the church. Can we really deny something Jesus himself came for? We're going to talk about it in a second in point two. But uh, the, the reality is the church is also in Ephesians 2. Uh, 27 called the bride of Christ and and we it's like if we're really going to be down on the church we're really being down on like Jesus bride which is an interesting visual an interesting example but any of us who are married would not be very for that if somebody did not like our bride right that'd be kind of a a tough deal so you can't hate the bride and try to befriend the groom so we'll talk more about that but what is the church and how, how can we be moved beyond the negative feelings we have and others have for it to become a very radiant example of Jesus on the earth? Because that's what God has the church here to help us become. What needs to happen? Matthew 16, 18 is, is really where Jesus made this declaration. And he made it uh, in this way. It says... Now I say to you, he's talking to this guy who was, who was named Simon, which name meant like blowing reed. He was just kind of here and there. Simon was a wildcat, man. He just jumped out and would do the craziest things on impulse. He's impulsive. This is Simon. But after being with Jesus for a little while, Jesus looked at him and saw his future, not his present. Saw his future, not his past. And he saw just really, I guess you could say prophetically into his life that he was going to call out of him what was in him. And he said this. He says, man, you are Peter. He changes his name from Simon to Peter. It says, which means rock. And upon this rock, I'll build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Wow, can you imagine like his wrestling career must have taken off becoming the rock that quickly, right? From blowing reed, you know, he's now the rock. Can you smell what I'm cooking, right? He was just there as the rock. His movie career is going to be incredible. He's going to make a movie every month, you know. Okay, that's for those who know the rock, old school rock. But what's happening here is very interesting. The only thing Jesus offered to build. You know, Jesus didn't come saying, man, I'm going to reconstruct the tabernacle. We're going, to, we're going to build those altars that have fallen down all over again. And I'm going to travel around and build altars. I came to build altars. No, he said, I came to build a church. And I'm going to build it upon a person who maybe others saw their past. And I see your future. And, and you're no longer going to blow around. You're going to be the rock. And I'm going to build on this solid foundation, the church. Jesus came to build a church of people, not religious experts. He came to a religious dropout. He was fishing with his family, and at his age, probably meant he didn't get offered to be an apprentice with an actual priest in the day, you know. So he was, he was like one of those guys that just didn't make it to higher education. He's out fishing with his, his family, and, in, and Jesus selects 
Simon, who becomes Peter in this moment. That's who he chose. Those who didn't fit within the religious community were now the ones to train the religious community how to fit. Those who would know how to work, to fish, to labor for a common mission is who Jesus went after all over during the beginning of his ministry when he was recruiting his disciples, those who would follow in the way that he was teaching. And he said this okay, in that passage. He said, the powers of hell will not conquer it. They can conquer a man's interpretation of what religion is. The power of hell can dominate our idea of church. In fact, oftentimes because we're feeling the tension in between what the Bible teaches and what the world's teaching, we, we're tempted to compromise on biblical principles and set those aside and just become like lukewarm to the world around us. And what ends up happening to ch church that does that, it disintegrates. Why? Because Jesus will make sure his church will not allow the power of hell to conquer it. But if it, we make the church our church, like it's about me and my feelings, then there's no promise of such, right? He wants to raise up this radiant people in the community around us. So how do we become this radiant church? How do we become this church that Jesus promised wins over and over and over again? And that's, we have three thoughts for you today. Uh, and it's really understanding the church, what the church is. The church is, number one, a body. Now, we talked about this at the beginning of the year in our four series a little bit. But the, our responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. It said there in our opening text. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. The church, which is people, right? He said to Simon, I'm going to build my church upon you. He didn't say to a plot of ground, this is the only place for the church. No, he, he, church is people. It always has been. He's like, upon you, Peter, I'm going I'm to build my church. And, and then you're going to pass this on to others as you could read throughout the New Testament book of Acts. You could read how Peter then handed this thing off and churches and churches and churches supposed to grow and multiply. And, and so he's sitting there telling the people at this point in time, you're the body of Christ. Jesus is wanting personal growth. He's wanting the church to grow through people. It's a group of crazy messed up people as you look at the disciples' lives. They make mistakes. Peter himself denies Jesus after being told he was going to be who Jesus built the church on during the crucifixion. It's crazy to think. Our doubts, our weaknesses, we're the church. Our sin habits, we mess up. We are the church. So I get how the church can get a bad reputation. Because we're people, right? And people make mistakes. The picture of the church is a whole body. Like a whole body, right? And so it's easy to look at it as one body and you're thinking, well, then the members are fingers and arms and legs. But it can also be a body of people. You know how we refer to a bunch of people as a, a body of people. Look at that group of people. And, and, and so I look at that and I go, interesting, the terms of the day, Jesus taught towards this uh, using the illustration of a flock. 
because there was a lot of farmers, shepherds, and they kind of understood this language. So he would refer to this body of people as like a body of sheep, right? A bunch of sheep as one. You want to move them along in perfect unity so that they're not susceptible to the wolves and the, and the beasts and the birds of prey during the day, the beasts uh, during the, the night. And so they would often refer to us, people, as sheep or the church as a body of sheep. And so Acts 20, 28 says this. He says, guard yourself and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. Talking to followers of Jesus. The instruction came. So Peter, whom Jesus said the church would be built on, preceding this moment, was told by Jesus... So Jesus says, I'm going to build my church on you. Oh, and by the way, before that happens, you're going to deny me and walk away from me. What? You changed my name from blowing reed to Peter, which means rock, and now you're telling me I'm going to be a blowing reed? And Jesus was like, yeah, but you'll turn back to me. That would be a confusing message. I get how Peter had to have been just totally confused. And when the moment came and Jesus was taken, and you know, we're celebrating this in four weeks, Easter, right? Jesus was taken. He was put upon a cross, and they're asking Peter, man, I think you were a follower of Jesus, right? You were one that was of the way. And he was like, I do not know the man. And it was this imagery of a rooster crowing in the morning, and during that night of his uh, removal, as they were preparing to crucify him, Jesus said, man, before the rooster crows three times, you're going you're, you're gonna to deny me, or you're, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And he was like, no way. Uh, this never happened. And uh, Jesus is like, yeah, this, unfortunately, this is going to happen. Because he wants us not only at our peak, but in our valley, which he then brings to a peak. You know, and, and so Peter does deny him. The rooster crows, and he's living in misery. He goes back to his old ways, fishing. And Jesus finds Peter and some of his other disciples trying to catch fish. He, he, he tells them to cast their net on the other side of the boat, just like when he, when he initially meets them. If you're reading through the Gospels, you'll see this happen before. And they catch this huge haul of fish. They drag it onto the beach. And, and like Peter realizes, I know this man on the shore who's given us this instruction. He actually jumps out of the boat and swims to shore, and he's face to face with Jesus. They're eating a meal with Jesus, and, and Jesus says this. It says, after breakfast, because it was in the morning, after breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? This, this is in John 21, 15. It says, and he said, yes, Lord. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. And Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Now, pause. Did you hear what name Jesus called Peter there twice? He went back to blowing reed. Like if you've been named the rock, and you've been starting to tell other people, yeah, they, Jesus gave, like, he gave me a nickname, guys. Oh, what, what, what name did he give you? 
rock. Yeah. And then you do the little peck thing that the rock can do, you know? And they're like, sweet. That is incredible. What a gift from God. Yeah. I can do it on rhythm. But then, you know, all of a sudden, Jesus is there face to face with you. And he's like, "Uh, excuse me, blowing reed. Right? Like you, 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 you named me rock just before we have this. Con- Remember? You know? And he's like, you know, feed my lambs. And, and he's like, oh, yeah, blowing reed. Did you forget the nickname? You know? Jesus has been crucified. He's raised from the dead. And now he's on the shore. And he's having a conversation with me. And something in this death and resurrection made him forget that I'm the rock. Right? Or he, maybe Peter was thinking... I'm no longer going to be the one that Jesus builds a church on because I've sinned, I've failed, which probably was in his mind. But he's in this moment, and then Jesus says this in verse 17. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt, it says. Absolutely, I get it. He was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time and said, Lord, You know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. See, the church is a body. And we're not just one single body. We're a body of people. We're a body of sheep. We're a flock of sheep, if you will. And Jesus was so concerned after his resurrection about you, the sheep, the body, the church, that the first thing he went after in Peter's life was not, dude, you denied me. How could you do that? No, the first thing he focused on in a conversation, a hurtful conversation, with a truthful conversation with Peter, was I care so much about my sheep that I don't want anything to come in between my relationship with them and, and I need you to come back to, like, let's get in line. Because, remember, the church is going to be built on you, and you need to feed the sheep. The body. The church is a body. Thought number two, the church is the bride of Christ. Now, I mentioned this already at the beginning, so maybe you got that blank, those two blanks filled in, and felt awesome about it. Ephesians five twenty-five through 27 in the New Living Translation says this, husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Interesting enough. This passage in Ephesians 5 is really uh, this instruction of the marriage relationship, the husbands and the wives serving one another, submitting to one another. And it's this beautiful, mysterious illustration that Paul turns here, the author of the book, and says, now what I'm really speaking about is Jesus and his bride, the church. It works for husbands and wives, too. But what I'm really talking about is Jesus and his bride. And man, you could go to some pretty deep study on Jesus and his bride and jump all around the scriptures 
and have a whole talk just on this. Jump into Revelation and see some of the fulfillment of the bride of Christ and, and, and how it's all going to end up in the, uh, such beautiful imagery. But for the sake of today, the significance is this. Let's go back to one of my opening thoughts, right? And hearing people say, man, I know you. I, 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 I want to know Jesus, and I, I want to know what the Bible teaches, but I just can't get past the church. Or I just can't be a part of this church thing. And, man, well-intentioned people say this out loud and, and do this, and it's for the married people in here. If anybody's ever talking about your wife like that, there's, there's probably, you're not going to take too kindly to it, right? Um, how kindly would you, you feel if I'm, uh, you know, not to pick on anybody, but like Tim, you know, pretty amazing guy, man. Uh, I'd love to hang out with you, become your friend. But Heidi, you know, you know what I'm saying? You've heard, right? Have you heard? Uh, Heidi's a little, you know, it's that whole like, what? What are you doing? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm married to I, what you know but Tim you know I, I'd love to come over to your house I'd love to now if you're not having a problem already with that you need to be a part of re-engage this August when we relaunch it it's a ministry for those who need to freshen up their marriages and honor one another but anyway experience oneness in their home but the reality that, that is here, if I start to have this conversation and go, man, I'd love to come over for dinner, but if I'm coming over for dinner, like, is Heidi going to be there? Or is she out of town? They're like, what? If she's not there, we all have nothing to eat, right? Tim would say. Uh, you know, I just, if I come over, then people are going to know I was there and Heidi was there. They're going to think like I know Heidi or I like Heidi or I'm a part of anything that has to do with Heidi. And I can't be that. I, that would give me a reputation at work on my commute. <laughs> I don't know. So Tim would say, man, you know, Jesus said upon this rock he's going to build the church. And, and I'm going to use this rock. And I'm going I'm to let you know about Jesus right now. Uh, somewhere around your forehead, your nose, your temple. Anyway, you know, it wouldn't probably go well. You're going to meet the rock. Different kind of rock. We would never put up with that. And I just can't imagine, like we would probably be more aggressive, right? But I think the way God responds to that kind of stuff is he's broken. And I had a model, the pastor I grew up under, Les Welk, Shoreline Community Church, the first church I ever went to when I was 21 uh, as a follower of Jesus and it would be one of those stories. You would tell a story about something the church has just done goofy in culture, in the community. And we'd be having a conversation in a circle. And, and I'm one that responds to everything with laughter or cynicism. And, uh, you know, so I'm just, maybe I would joke about something. And, uh, but I would look over and less the pastor of the church there and just, he would be tearing up. And he would just be so moved by the brokenness of our world and, and the, this reality of how this is going to hurt the entire church that somebody just went AWOL in the church's name. And I'd always be convicted by that. And I think that's how God would respond when we're talking bad about Jesus' bride. I bet he would be 
broken for us because we just don't, we don't get how much he loves us, us, the body of Christ. And when we start talking bad about his bride, how are we going to build the church if we're talking bad about it? And he would just be broken. And he would just have those Jesus tears well up. I'll confess, I'm that way every once in a while. I'm sensitive. We were watching Parent Trap yesterday. Classic, right? Classic. And uh, they switch places. Ever seen, who's seen Parent Trap in here? If you haven't, you haven't lived really. But anyway, so we're on some free movie thing, Hulu, <laughs> some, you know, anything we can afford. So we were watching a movie, and, uh, and they switch places. You know, these twins switch places, and, and it's beautiful because they've never met the dad or mom. If you haven't seen the movie, it's total spoiler alerts. And, uh, and, and one figures out that it's, it's like that they've switched, and she just becomes emotional because she, like, loves this child. And I'm sitting there, Luckily, the girls are into it, too, and everybody in the room's into it, so they don't notice I'm over there sweating in here. These are just sweat drips, Uh, you know. I'm, like, emotional because it's special. That's when I cry. I don't cry during sad stuff in movies. I cry during special moments, like, you know, I'll ball through the whole greatest showman. But I just, like, because it's just special and powerful. But Jesus, for his bride, I think he's weeping often. And when we ignore the church or we pass up the opportunity to invite someone to church or we don't talk about what's happening in our life through the church, whenever we're being ashamed, if you would, of the gospel, I think it breaks the heart of God. And maybe we should let it break our heart a little bit because the church is the bride of Christ. We should be pretty proud of our bride. Pretty excited about it. Thought three, the church is God's building. Man, I really offended all those guys. They're all leaving. I'm just kidding. That's the worship team. Have you ever just wondered, man, these people always stand up at thought three. What in the world is going on? Because they're being really invisible walking around to come out on the stage. I just messed it up for them. Okay, I'm totally focused. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3.9 says this, For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. You are God's field, you are God's building, you're the workers, you're, you're the whole package, right? You're the whole body of Christ. God didn't need a temple that moved from here to there. He no longer needed the fire by night and the smoke during the day. He, he no longer needed the artifacts inside, uh, you know, special cases to be walked around to represent the presence of God and the, the Ark of the Covenant or any of these things you read in the Old Testament. He needs you. Like, you're the building. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're the one who carries the very presence of God out into the community, into your neighborhood, into your workplace. We're the church, God's building. This is not God's building. If we built a church for millions of dollars in Bonnie Lake, because that's how much it would cost, uh, 
that would not be God's building. You would still be God's building. That, that's what he's saying here. Is he needs people who will lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. The greatest of the revelations here is that we are now the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. It's not dependent on a structure any longer. Jesus came, went to the cross, went to the grave, rose from the grave so that we could receive the promised Holy Spirit, the counselor, the one who would guide us, give us power to witness and make our faith known and become the building that Jesus was while he was present with us. That's us. That's our role. Ephesians 2, 20 through 22 says, Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone of Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together, right? A perfect fit. Carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles, are also being made part of, of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. What would you call me? A Gentile. What? A Gentile is somebody who did not grow up in the chosen lineage of God. Right? Always had they been an outcast. But all of a sudden the gospel, this news of Jesus and life through Jesus and the son of God has come so that your sins could be forgiven and you could be in right relationship with God was for everybody. That's what we're being told here. And that everybody could become the building, the temple of the Holy Spirit. No longer matters what background you come from. No matter long, it doesn't depend on whether you're raised in the church or not in the church. When we choose to follow Jesus, we are the building. Like we're, we house the presence of God. We're the workers. We're the field. We're the building. And we got work to do. We ultimately have a lot of work to do to be the church. Our action point today is simple. Because I think it'll all start from here. Love the church. Like, What if we get this healthy pride, this healthy love for the church that would rise up within us, realizing... Our role, which means if I'm going to love the church, that means I'm going to love everybody here. It means I'm going to have ideas like one I was talking to Todd with out front. He's like, man, is there, is there a way that we could ever have name tags every once in a while? Just so that I can like, have that additional step to know people's names. Because I see their faces and I know their faces, but man, I want to get to know people. What is that? What does that very conversation represent? A move of the Holy Spirit in someone to say, man, I want to know them. They're the church. We're a body. We're one. We're in this together. I love these people, and I want to know them. Not just walk them, watch them walk in, walk out. I want to serve them. I want to know them. I want to love them. That's from the Holy Spirit. How do you talk about the church? When there's a conversation going south about the church, which happens, and we're in its presence do you ever stand up for it? Or you kind of disappear into the fog hoping they don't know, remember that you go there? I think it's funny that the conversations people have around me knowing I'm a pastor. You know, and they'll just, I, I like that they're genuine. They must feel safe. Um, because we'll go into those conversations. I'm like, yeah, that's, 
That was a rough one right there, you know. Um, then there's great weeks like this one and last when there's such honor given to Billy Graham publicly and by our nation and just seeing, man, when somebody really lives out what Jesus taught, makes deep impact in a lot of people's lives. And how can we be the people that overcome all the negative that's out there about the church just in the way we live? I think our love can silence the doubts about the church. I think that our servanthood, driven by the Holy Spirit within us, our serving others could be so bold and pure in its representation of love that people would go, I know that that article just said this about the church, but the church I know, this one here, like these people, that's, I, I disagree that the whole church is like that because I know these people and these people are amazing. What would it look like if instead of the church being persecuted or marginalized or set aside was defended and lifted up and honored saying, no, we can't do that to the church. They're changing the world. That's the church Jesus envisioned. That's the church he told Peter he was going to build. That's the church we read about in scripture. It's a church that's healthy. It's a church that's growing. It's a church that's full of love. And that's why we're talking about it because God loves us and we're going to unpack this as we lead towards Easter because it's this moment in the year really every Sunday we have people walk through our doors that are guests we love guests we love you if you're first time here today welcome but there's this moment in the year where people are open to questioning this thing called the faith and what is the church going to look like to them I hope that when they walk through the doors, when they meet the first person, they go, man, that place is, that place is healthy. That place is, it seems like it's growing and man, they're full of love. That's the church Jesus went to the cross for, raised from the grave for, and has challenged you and I to build. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to rent this school. I thank you that even the school district is growing. Really, all the school districts around here are growing. That comes with change and challenges. Lord, one of the things that comes with challenges is being the church. Sometimes it's tough to be the guy in the room that says, I know this negative story just came out about a Christian or the church, and you all want to throw them under the bus, but you know all the good that happens through the church? Can I just share a few stories? God, I pray that you would allow us to have so many more positive stories and culture about the church that those negative ones that pop up here and there would be faint and distant. Help us be on the offense. Help us love well and serve well and be faithful to you. Help us be healthy, growing, and full of love. God, let us be the body you died for. Let us be the bride you envisioned. And may we never be ashamed of the bride but elevate the bride, speaking wonders of her, helping her fulfill the vision you have for her. God, I pray for every one of us in this room, if there's people here who have yet to enter into a relationship with Jesus, the Lord, they would take that step. They would cross that line of faith, if you would, and just say, Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to be in a personal relationship with you, and I want to discover what it is to have life and life now more meaningful and to the full and I want to be the church.
I want to be a part of something way bigger than I am that's making such a positive impact in so many lives. Lord, I thank you for the challenges your scripture teaches us that we get the opportunity to try to walk out in a world that's messy, in a world that's not perfect, and you entrust us who are not perfect to do it. We're honored, we're humbled, and yet excited for the adventure ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.